So many women are giving back to the supply chain community. So there is one in particular that I am highlighting in my Woman in Supply Chain series, part 12. And that is Sheila Benny, the co-founder of Optricity. Her journey to success and what she is doing for warehousing and for women in supply chain is truly inspiring. So to learn more, please go to letstalksupplychain.com forward slash Season 2-Episode 39 to check that one out. Welcome to Let's Talk Supply Chain. My name is Sarah Barnes-Humphrey, and each week I bring you the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about best practices, new innovation, and most up-to-date information about supply chain. I believe that collaboration is the future of business, and I have designed this show to ensure you have all the information you need to succeed in business and in your supply chain. First, a word from our sponsor, Border Buddy. More and more companies are looking to expand their reach into global markets, but most don't know where to start or don't have the time to figure it out. Border Buddy sees the struggle and has created a way for you to integrate customs into your e-commerce shopping cart, like Shopify, Magento, eBay, and others, allowing you ease and peace of mind when selling to customers in North America. Your customers will know exactly how much the costs are to import their order from your door to theirs in real time. We're the first API-based custom solution. Just imagine what that will do for your business and your sales. Visit us and sign up for 10% off your first clearance at borderbuddy.com forward slash Let's Talk Supply Chain. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. These days, we are hearing a lot about autonomous vehicles. Will they still have a driver? Won't they? There's still so many unanswered questions that only time will tell. But today we are bringing autonomy to the supply chain. And is that where we are headed? That question and more is to be answered soon. But First, we're going to get to a review, and then we're going to get to the question of the week. So Erica Howell, she was so, thank you so much, Erica, for sending me me this email. I am so humbled and honored uh, to get reviews like these and to listen, to hear from my listeners. So thank you so much. It says, hi, Sarah, I recently found your profile and more importantly, your podcast because of a comment you made on LinkedIn post. I wanted to send you a thank you for the work you do and the value you bring to me and the industry. I've been listening through the podcasts on Stitcher and I have been trying to learn more about supply chain to bring my clients more value. Your your podcasts have significantly helped me learn about other areas of supply chain outside of trucking and grow my career. Thank you for all the work that you do. Well, thank you, Erica, for taking the time to send me that beautiful email. And uh, if I can just help you, that is one of the reasons why I do this podcast. So now we're on to the question of the week, and I posed a very provocative question. It has to do with marketing, and I know that in our industry, this is sometimes, you know, something that we don't think a lot about. So the question from Graham in Vancouver says, he says, if your company or brand disappeared tomorrow, would anyone care? So Brian Glick from Chain.io, he said, yes, we bring unique value to our clients every day, and it's the reason we get up in the morning. Gwen from FreightPath, he says, like Brian is saying, we wake up in the morning to build 3PLs and freight brokers brands. Our software is the face of the company to their end customers. But I also wonder, you know, 
I understand the work that we're doing for customers. But if our brand did disappear tomorrow, would anybody care? Are you doing the work? Are you bringing the value? Um, just a couple of things to think about as you go into your day. Um, Graham Robbins from Border Buddy, he says, I can't think of many companies that I couldn't replace within 60 to 120 minutes of searching on Google if they went out of business. So that must mean that if Google disappeared, I would care. And Amazon, of course, the reality is that if we really put ourselves in our customers' shoes and ask from their perspective, they may care for a bit, but they would replace us pretty quickly. So again, that brings another point. Are we replaceable? What are we doing to not be replaceable? He also says, with this in mind, let's create companies and experiences that would make them really miss us. And uh, Kevin, he is from JDA. He says, at JDA, we estimate that more than 70% of the world's water is delivered using our supply chain software and nearly, nearly two-thirds of the world's soap for starters. So yes, if our company disappeared tomorrow, I can't imagine how many transactions would go unfulfilled to consumers around the globe and the disruption it would cause. For the nearly 4,000 leading retailers, CPG companies, and other brands that rely on JDA to deliver their goods, it would be apocalyptic event for sure. Great point, Kevin. So if you have any supply chain questions, please send them to me at listener at letstalksupplychain.com. I would love to hear from you and feature your question. And remember to follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter for those conversations so that you can weigh in and provide your feedback on those as well. So back to the topic at hand. Today, I am speaking with Kevin Sternekert from JDA Software about how we can get ahead of the changes that are happening in supply chain and be proactive through an autonomous supply chain. Let's learn a little bit about Kevin first. So Kevin is the Group Vice President of Innovation Strategy and Solutions Marketing at JDA. In his role, Kevin is responsible for driving JDA's product and solutions marketing strategy, innovation efforts, competitive positioning, and ensuring effective sales enablement collaborating with key customers, partners, analysts, and JDA stakeholders. Wow, that's a big, big job. With more than 25 years of experience, Kevin brings a keen understanding of the challenges facing global supply chains and the solutions that drive profitable growth. Prior to JDA, Kevin led marketing for Predictus and Order Dynamics. He also served as Research Vice President at Gartner, where he advised leading companies around the globe and oversaw analysis of hundreds of supply chain software solutions each year. He also served as Senior Director of Global Product Strategy at Oracle Retail and as the Vice President of Retail for Demand Tech. Kevin's retail experience includes serving as Chief Information Officer at leading grocer ShopRite, as well as managing the operations development in the U.S. and directing the supply chain activities in Mexico City for Walmart Supercenter. Kevin holds a Bachelor's of Science degree in Computer Science from the University of Texas. So welcome to the show, Kevin. Thank you, Sarah. It's a pleasure to be on your show and have an opportunity to visit with you. Great. Yeah, I am excited to have you on the show, and I can't wait to hear all about your concept of autonomy and supply chain. But first, we need to get to know you. We need to get to know the JDA brand. So why don't you tell us about the JDA brand? How did the company start? What's the brand about? And what exactly do you do? Well, the company started in 1985 uh, by Jim Armstrong. 
And it was actually started outside of the U.S. and then over time migrated to a central office in Scottsdale, Arizona. And JDA uh, today has over 4,500 customers worldwide. We service the retail, manufacturing, and logistics industries, wholesale and distribution. And we provide end-to-end software for those industries around their supply chains. So if it needs to move and it's a retailer or a manufacturer or a wholesaler, JDA software can make it happen. Great, great. So now let's talk about some of the challenges that you guys see. Um, With that many customers, I'm sure that there's a lot that comes up um, probably on a day-to-day basis. And just knowing supply chain and logistics and how imperfect it all is and how, you know, it's sort of like a problem-solving type industry. When you think about supply chain, what are the three biggest challenges facing supply chain professionals today? Well, I think first and foremost, the biggest is is the speed of change. And change has always been a part of organizations. And for a very long time, supply chains were seen as a cost cost center. It's a cost of doing business. I have to have it in order to service my customers, regardless of the industry that I I serve. But, But today, the supply chain is really that secret competitive weapon. And the supply chains that are tuned to best meet customers' needs offer advantage in the marketplace that are difficult for companies to to copy or to deliver. You know, for example, you could change prices pretty easily, or you could change your assortments fairly easily, or, or you could change your ingredient mixture of a product or those things. But changing your supply chain and being forward thinking enough so that that supply chain is a competitive weapon is very difficult and is not an overnight task. So I, so the rate of change has put an intense amount of pressure on supply chains. I think secondly, it's that the supply chains are expected to do more with less and they're expected to do it faster and cheaper. And a lot of different uh, pressures by organizations that are helping Industries understand the possible, the art of the possible, are really applying pressure to the supply chains to do what they were not initially designed to do. And so they really need to be done differently. And then finally, it's, it's the whole challenge of positioning the supply chain so it's prepared for the unknown. How do I accomplish things that I don't know are going to happen And how do I make sure that I can accommodate for disruptions in supply or changes in demand that were not expected? I think those are three big challenges facing supply chain organizations, regardless of industries. I would absolutely agree. And one of the things that I want to want to say is I love that analogy of secret competitive weapon. I've never heard that before, but you are bang on. Um, with that because supply chains really are the backbone to the business, um, the businesses of today, especially with the expectations on the last mile delivery side. I mean, it's, it's creeping into the customer experience. It's creeping into customer reviews, right? People are expecting that experience on delivery 
And if they're not getting it, sometimes you're getting bad reviews, which is affecting the whole, the company as a whole. So I really, really like that analogy and completely agree with you that the speed of change is, um, something that is a huge challenge for everybody. But I also like your two, your other two points as well. Preparing for the unknown. There is a lot of unknown moving into the future, especially for business and especially for supply chain. And I think it is going to be extremely critical for, for businesses to be able to be prepared for that. Yeah, you know, I, I, I reflect upon uh, how I interacted with companies, say, 10 years ago. You would go to a company and you would say you want to buy something, maybe as a consumer or as a business. And if it wasn't available, um, you'd ask when it will be available. And then you would patiently wait for that to arrive and inquire, did that product arrive? And, and, and you were patient through that process. And I remember you know, doing that often. Today, I don't accept it's not available. And I don't accept that you said it is available and it really isn't because I have so many other choices. And if the supply chain is not accurate, if it is not um, timely in its delivery, if it does not deliver as promised, the business or the consumer, the customer really, regardless of the industry, has way too many other choices to put up with something less than what was expected. And it's just um, a, a, an added level of complexity that, that supply chains now must deliver or they will perish. Absolutely. And I think technology is going to be obviously a huge component of this. I mean, we, we hear about technology all the time. It's kind of like technology. We're banging our heads on against the wall with technology, but at the end of the day, it is our future. And so it's very, very important uh, for supply chains, for business to be able to get it right. And so um, JDA is a really big component or a proponent, I guess, of autonomous supply chain. So can you tell us about that? You know, is autonomous supply chain the answer to some of these challenges? And what are some of the three key points that you can provide to us um, about the autonomous supply chain? Well, first and foremost, JDA has set forth that the autonomous supply chain is our moonshot. It, it's what we believe is the, 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 the end game for supply chains. Um, you know, think about it. 2 a.m. on a Sunday morning, a, a disruption in supply is detected. And today, an alert awaits someone to do something. So maybe Monday afternoon when... The decision maker walks through the, his or her reports, they see a problem, and then they take action. Well, you've already lost a day or more on what action could have taken. And now that supply disruption is not just an issue, it's now become a huge problem. And in, in an autonomous supply chain, those disruptions are predicted in advance and they are addressed and even potentially resolved without any intervention. And so the decision maker moves from needing to handle the minutia of every decision to being a trainer and a coach and a strategist for the supply chain, teaching the system, teaching the computer, teaching the machine, right? How to respond and what to respond to, guiding its processes, providing the, gu the guardrails, 
and then allowing uh, the technologies to see and feel and decide within the parameters that have been uh, delivered. And so an autonomous supply chain senses disruptions in supply and changes in demand before they happen. And that, that is leveraging artificial intelligence and machine learning and beyond just detecting proactively positions uh, supply inventory, whatever it might be in the right place, assets, physical trucks, trailers, etc., in the right place so that that disruption actually becomes um, an advantage. And you were able to address something that maybe your competitors couldn't have addressed or you prevented disruption that, that would have not allowed you to meet your expectations of your customers. And that autonomy um, permeates throughout the supply chain. It, it's in every aspect of the supply chain. The challenge in deriving and delivering an autonomous supply chain is, is that this is not a silver bullet and it uh, requires a substantial amount of change from the typical um, environments. You know, for example, you must have a real time understanding of every element of the supply chain, where all inventory are, where all assets are, where all people are, where the disruptions may occur, where they are occurring, where change is happening. And then also externally, all of your partners, all of your suppliers, their status, their conditions, their disruptions, their challenges, their misses, their makes, all of that has to be seen. And then you have to train it, um, the, the autonomous supply chain, properly so that it not, not only sees, but it understands, feels, and also has the opportunity to do something about it. And that's a, that's a big moonshot. But it is exactly what we believe uh, the industry is clamoring for. It's what we hear our customers tell us. And one of the advantages of having 4,500 customers is that we have a broad base of customer feedback. And that's what we're hearing the customers tell us. We need help making decisions with billions of pieces of information that we humanly cannot evaluate and make the right decisions with. We need better tools, smarter tools that help us do a better job in managing disruption and change. Absolutely. And I think you bring up a, another really good point um, and challenge for supply chain professionals as well is that the roles are changing, right? So you're going to be going from having to make those decisions to what you're calling, you know, the coach of the supply chain and guiding the processes. And I like that analogy, but that's also a challenge for supply chain professionals to get, wrap their head around um, for us to make those changes necessary to, um, to go for that moonshot. Yeah, it's, it's, it's moving the supply chain from a healing system to a learning and proactive system. If you're healing, which, which likely means that you're solving a problem that has happened, it's already too late. And even though you might fix the problem, the likely demand for whatever it was that didn't happen has probably already moved on. And so it's moving from self-healing to self-learning. It's moving from firefighting to being a strategist. It's, it's moving from uh, the, the minutia of spreadsheets to understanding the network and to optimizing across the network. 
It's moving from what's the best choice for this location to what's the best choice for the entire enterprise and your partner ecosystem. Those are some big changes that uh, the autonomous supply chain uh, has envisioned in JDA's view. Yeah, those are great points. And it brings me to my next question. Um, so you've beautifully, you know, given us a visual of what an autonomous supply chain, what that moonshot really looks like. So with that autonomy in supply chain, what is possible for the business as a whole? Well, one of the, the dram- dramatic results of an autonomous supply chain is a huge reduction in escalations and hot shots and um, emergency shipments and things like that, right? So when, when we talk with companies and we talk about when you have to escalate and you have to move something fast, what does it cost you? And I was, I was with a customer just uh, a, a couple of weeks ago, and they told me it's a $200 million problem. And if they could see forward... And if they understood where challenges would be and they could re- reduce their uh, escalations, they could, they could eat into a substantial amount of that $200 million problem. And it's a big challenge. Anytime you have to force um, products to move faster than they're designed, you, es- you, you, you increase cost dramatically. And, you know, one of the biggest supply chains on the planet um, Amazon has done a phenomenal job in understanding their customers well enough to accomplish predictive shipping. So before products are even ordered, the merchandise is on the way to zip codes where high degrees of probability are understood that product demand will occur. And so the, the product ships at low rates because they're shipped in advance instead of shipped overnight. And consolidated, right? So absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so that definitely helps with with the cost. Um, and we all talk about the Amazon effect and, and how that is affecting our businesses. But you're right; it's really something to take a look at and utilize within our own business models. So now that we've talked about that autonomous uh, supply chain, we've talked about the moonshot, we've talked about the future, what that big vision looks like. What does JDA do today um, to help your customers? Can you give us a real life example of how you're helping customers today? Yeah. So probably the, the best way to think about the autonomous supply chain might be to use an analogy that we're all fairly familiar with. And that is the autonomous car, right? So, Today, with technology, you can make any car autonomous. Um, And it requires sensors and radar and intelligence uh, to be able to make a car autonomous. So JDA could be seen as the car. And we've delivered an amazing car with great performance, um, braking, great transmission and tires and uh, accoutrements inside. A fantastic car. And, and we deliver today across industries in helping organizations uh, manage their supply chains, the workforce of their supply chain, and improve their utilization of their assets. And we do a phenomenal job in that regard. And in fact, Gartner has noted that JDA is the only 
uh, company that is in the leader quadrant in every magic quadrant that JDA competes in. There's five. Um, and that, and we're the only company that can lay that claim. Um, so fantastic car, right? But the, but the challenge is, is the autonomy piece. So what JDA is doing is adding uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning to every aspect of the supply chain. So for example, instead of saying, what's the best price today, or what's the best price uh, for this customer, it's what's the best price at this moment in time, given all the conditions and all the competitors and all of the um, uh, uh, visibility that the customer has at this moment. And not, not taking a day, a week, or a month to figure out what's the best price, because that's too late. We help organizations understand what's the best assortment. We help organizations manage their assets in their warehouses. We help organizations understand how to prioritize the tasks in their warehouses. We help companies understand how do you, how do you put tires in a, in a trailer? The hardest challenge, right? Uh, packaging circles in a square um, and, and how to do it optimally. We, we work with all different kinds of companies in that regard. And what we're focused on now is adding the autonomy to each element of the supply chain, putting on those uh, sensors, the radar, the LIDAR, and the intelligence so that those elements can become self-driving or, as we call it, autonomous. And we really think of it that way. And JDA is that fantastic car for a very, very long time. And over the last several years, we've been adding autonomy to every element so that the vehicle, the supply chain, can move in a way that uh, delivers what the, what business is expecting. Absolutely. And it sounds like you, JDA is really on that pulse and helping companies. So that brings me into my next question. What size company is your ideal company to partner with? And what does, you know, onboarding or working with JDA sort of look like? Well, you know, I, I would not want to say there's no company too small, um, but we do find that, um, you know, companies with volume typically tend to utilize our software more fully. Um, and we really haven't found the ceiling for the, the size of a company that's too big. So I would say that you know, we can handle very small all, all the way up to the very largest companies on the planet as far as size goes, um, you know, one of the things that we do in our process of working to uh, engage with a new customer is we do value discovery efforts. And we work through to say, what is the challenge that you're trying to solve? What technologies and partners can we work with to solve those challenges? And how do we drive the best return on investment? And we map out, here's the implementation plan and the process and here's the milestones of value and the return on investment you know i would say that uh, jda's uh, uh, attention to the customer has increased over the last say three or four years dramatically we have a customer first attitude it is part of our core values we are focused on making sure that every customer is um, receiving the value that they achieved. As we move to become a more 
uh, SaaS-oriented company, a subscription company, it mandates that we satisfy our customers' needs and work with them in better ways because they could turn off a subscription easier than if the software and technology were installed uh, behind their own firewall using some type of perpetual license, right? It isn't just the maintenance at risk. It's the whole business. And so as a customer-first organization, we're focused on the value and the delivery and making sure that our customers are receiving the benefits that they expected when they began to engage with us. And we're holding ourselves accountable to that. Um, we used to measure customer success on three or four metrics. You know, are they paying maintenance? Do they seem generally happy? Will they take a reference call? Do we have any red flags in any of our technology that we um, engage with them? Right? Three or four things. We now look at over 200 measures of whether or not a customer is um, realizing the value that they anticipated when they engaged with us. And are we delivering on the, on the value that we promise and that we want to deliver? And it helps us see far more about the relationship that we have with our customers and also how we can deliver a better relationship than we've done in the past. And it's a focus of ours. Well, I love that. And I like that you have brought up your, you know, core values and how you, you look at customers and, and, um, you know, how you're working with them to make sure that they do get the best results. So my next question to you, and I, I want to sort of ask you, because you, you're saying that you're moving towards SaaS. So I'm guessing that right now your pricing structure is slightly different. Um, can you talk about what companies can expect working with JDI, JDA as far as pricing and ROI? You, you touched on it a little bit, but I'd like to see if we can expand on that a little bit more. Well, with over 100 products, it's kind of difficult to talk about pricing. Um, obviously, we want to be very aggressive in the marketplace, and we want to drive the highest value. And, and uh, analyst firms recognize that JDA delivers high value. So cost to value seems to be set appropriately. Um, we are making an aggressive uh, transition from a perpetual maintenance model to a SaaS model, a subscription uh, software model. And we are doing quite well on that. Um, our subscription revenue um, and, uh, and uh, against our goals and against last year are in triple-digit growth mode. Um, so the industry is receptive to it, and we're delivering and driving the kind of subscription models that the industry is appreciating by evidence in, in the results, right? Um, and I would say that we're always looking at how do we improve that return on investment, the total return on investment. Um, so when it when we look at the total cost of, a, of an organization leveraging JDA technology, we want to include the implementation, the service, the support, the the host, you know, the the cloud, all all the pieces. And what is the total return on that investment? We want to make sure that we are always maximizing it. As we add artificial intelligence and machine learning to components, we're seeing dramatic improvements in the return because we're able to help companies avoid disruption and avoid the escalation costs that happen throughout the supply chain when something went wrong and they have to kind of make up for it some way. Um, so you know, we, we can bite into that $200 million problem that I was talking about earlier. Um, the value that JDA is delivering increases significantly. And, and that's what we're looking at. Um, so we're working on the side of 
lowering the total cost of ownership uh, through subscription and also through um, a, a fantastic partner ecosystem. And we're also working on increasing and, and growing the return that comes from it by um, adding autonomy throughout. Yeah, and I love that you are introducing that model and, and using the SaaS model because not only are supply chain professionals or people in general getting used to that type of model, they see the value in it. And like you said, it's keeping you more accountable to the customer as well. And I think that that is really, really important. Um, so, you know, we started this interview talking about the autonomous supply chain and the moonshot and the future um, so we're going to end the interview with that as well. I hate to end it because I think you're providing a lot of value, but I'd like to know, you know, what's next for JDA. It sounds like you, you know, JDA is working on so many amazing things, like you said, with artificial intelligence and machine learning. And uh, personally, I know that uh, JDA is doing a lot in the supply chain community, um, especially for technology, women in tech. I was recently just featured on uh, your blog, actually, the Woman Wednesdays or Wednesdays for Women. Right, right, which, right. Sorry? I was saying you're right. That's a fantastic uh, opportunity. We appreciate that. Yeah, it was. It, I love what you guys are doing there. And, uh, you know, highlighting women, it's something that's passionate. It's a passion of mine, obviously, with my Women in Supply Chain series. But let's talk about what's next for JDA. Well, it's it's an exciting time uh, for JDA. It's an exciting time to be a part of JDA. Um, in the past year, we opened up experience centers in London at the Gherkin Building and also in Scottsdale at our corporate headquarters. And in those experience centers, we are showcasing innovations that are organically developed by JDA as well as uh, through partnerships that we are forging with uh, a variety of partners. Um, JDA in the past may not have been so partner centric and, and more of a, we're going to build it ourselves kind of attitude. But today we recognize that a partner ecosystem is vital to driving and delivering value. Um, in the coming year, we're going to have a developers conference. Um, we are opening up our software. We're leveraging, uh, standardized APIs. And we're going to um, teach and train our customers and our partners how to build their own software that plugs into uh, JDA. So, for example, if a company has developed an innovative way to detect uh, demand and they would like to include that algorithm that they've designed as part of the demand um, algorithms, they can, through an API, they can insert that straight into the software and their JDA demand software can then um, receive that secret sauce that has been built. I was talking with a, a few companies about this, and they love the idea because not only can they keep that secret sauce that they've done, but they can include it in an enterprise environment. So one of the next things is opening up our uh, software to partner development and to allow partners to, in essence, create apps that they could sell or that they could keep to themselves. Uh, JDA also, as a next, uh, uh, issued 41 new patents this year. Last year, we issued 19 patents. 
But that brings us up to a total of somewhere in the neighborhood of 490 patents that have either been applied or awarded um, for supply chain. When we look at the U.S. patent logs, which you can, and we look at what has been applied and awarded, literally JDA has 10 times the number of patents of any other company delivering supply chain technology. And that just means that JDA is able to do nearly 500 distinct innovative capabilities legally that no one else can do. And so what's next is leveraging those patented technologies um, to deliver value that uh, is unparalleled, that helps customers use their supply chain as a competitive weapon. I think that's great. I mean, you know, Part of this show, I talk about collaboration being the future of business. And uh, I think that what you're doing is really going to help the industry go from the traditional siloed approach to really collaborate and do business together and make sure that everybody wins. And I think that that is crucial uh, component to the future and the future of this industry. So is the autonomous supply chain the future? Well, only time will tell, but don't take too much time. Otherwise, you might be left behind. I am a true believer that anything is possible. And hopefully, Kevin and I showed you what is possible and how it is possible as well. I will have all of the information, videos, and more on the site at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 40. So make sure to check that out and connect with Kevin and JDA on social. Thank you so much to Jolene and the team at JDA for making this happen. And Kevin, it was such a pleasure. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, sir. I really appreciate you having me on your show and look forward to opportunities to work with you in the future. If you are enjoying this show and you liked this episode, make sure to check out the rest of the episodes and you'll find that on the podcast page at letstalksupplychain.com. You can take a look at the guests and all of the subjects that we have covered. Next week, Hulft is finally here. They sponsored a Woman in Supply Chain series episode, which was part 10, with Irina Roska a little while back. So if you go to that podcast page, you'll be able to find that one as well. So now they will have an episode all to their own so we can find out more about who they are and what they're doing in supply chain. Do you want to support the show? There's a few ways that you can do that. One is to go to ships.com. That's S-H-I-P-Z.com. And enter in your information and you'll be one of the first to know once we are ready to launch our platform. Go to iTunes, rate and review the show. This will help others to be able to find the show and I will feature you up on an upcoming episode. Uh, do you need help with supply chain acronyms and definitions? You can find all of those in my 107-page dictionary and you can find that at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash shop. And lastly, send me your supply chain questions. I pose the question out to the community every Wednesday. So if you're following us on LinkedIn, Twitter, or Instagram, look for that question. We engage 
So many great conversations. I also have all of the information on Listener's Corner at letstalksupplychain.com if you are looking for some of the answers and some of the conversations that we've previously had. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. I could not do this without you and I appreciate each and every one of you subscribing, downloading, tuning in each and every week to hear from our amazing guests and supply chain professionals in the industry. I hope you have an amazing day and remember everybody, ship happens. Happens.